Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Uh, this morning, uh, one of the jobs of an interim pastor is to try their best to get the church ready for the transition into the new pastor coming. And I've been trying to do that ever since I've been here uh, preaching uh, uh, the word that God would give me to uh, help strengthen and bless you and get you looking towards the future. Today I want to talk about uh, if my church is a community, why in the world do I feel so isolated? Anybody? If my church is a community, why do I feel so isolated? Uh, We're going to go to Psalms chapter 133. Going to read the whole whole thing, uh, which is only four verses, I believe. Uh, And so if you put the first one up there, this is, and and I'll get to it here in just a minute, this psalm was written uh, in relationship to 2 Samuel chapter 5, which we'll get to here in a minute. But there was a reason for the writing of this, of this psalm, and we want to minister on it today. It goes like this. A song of ascents of David. How good and how pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. Big amen? amen. Number two. It goes on and says, it is like uh, precious oil that is poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Next is this. It is as if uh, the dew of Hermon, wow, were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even his life evermore. This morning, uh, I want to talk about community. I want to talk about the church. Now, I have to tell you that since I have been born, I have been in church. I got saved when I was about 15 years old, truly saved, and started serving the Lord at that time. But even before that time, I was raised in church. As I jokingly say, I you know, was born and put underneath uh, the pulpit, uh, I mean, I pulpit, uh, underneath the pew, and I stayed there until I finally came out and realized I was in church. So I've been in and around church for uh, 69 years. Wow. Uh, 69 years in and around the church. And most of the time, I've been a good and faithful uh, member of this church. Uh, but there's been some times in my life, uh, especially when I was a little younger, that I have, would have been known as a rebellious member. Anybody with me? Thank you for helping me feel good about myself. There were times when I was out of season with the community of church. There was times whenever uh, I didn't feel very comfortable being a part of this community, which we call the church. I remember one time, uh, it was whenever I was just in my teen years, uh, we were building a new church uh, sanctuary in, in Kokomo, Indiana, where I was born and raised. 
And so they chose me, the board did, and the pastor did. I'm an old sound man from years gone by. And they said, hey, why don't you be the one to pick out all of the, the sound equipment and all the speaker, everything, and you get it here for us. And I said, sure, I'll be happy to do that. So I worked diligently and I worked hard <clears throat> to pick out all of the best of the best in the price range they had given to me. And everything went really, really, really well except for the pastor hated the speakers that I picked. They were a little on the homely side. They were the best sounding speakers around, but they weren't quite what he thought we should have. And so he hollered at me. <laughs> I didn't like being hollered at. And so I said, uh, you find someone else to do this, I'll go do something else or not, nothing at all. And so with that, I stomped off. <laughs> So I, I get around for a little bit, and uh, a couple people talk to me. One of them is the Lord, and uh, the other ones are my parents. John, you're acting like an idiot. My, my parents were really good with words. You're acting like an idiot. Stop that. But, but he spoke bad to me. Don't give a rip how he spoke to you. He's the pastor. And if he was out of sorts, that's up to him. You get back and get to work in the church. Because my parents taught me, as I've shared with you many times, that my job in the church was not to go to be blessed, but to be a blessing. And he says, you know, with you walking off the job and you're not going to run sound no more, you're not going to put this PA system in, they're out of hurt because you're the one that knows what you're doing, no one else does. Now get back in there and do what you're supposed to do. And so uh, <laughs> I had to go to the pastor. Pastor, I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. And I, I'm sorry I picked out the wrong speakers. If you want to change them, I'll take them back and get something different. No, they're ugly, but we'll put them up anyway. <laughs> so we went ahead and I ran sound and we put them up and we installed it and it sounded beautiful but I want to tell you not always have I been in sync with the church that God has called me to be uh, and 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 it's not good to look at yourself and go wow you you were a rebellious member from time to time you're a person that uh, should have been whacked about the head by by the Lord at least but uh, this portion of scripture that I just read to you is about uh, people coming together in unity. And you've probably read this scripture many, many, many times before, and you're going, yeah, I know that scripture, and I know, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song, uh, uh, deal. But I want to talk about David's leadership just for a minute, and I'm not going to go to the scripture and read all the scripture to us, but we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 5, 1 through 10, and tell you a story you can go there if you want to. I'm not going to go there myself. I'm just going to tell you the story that's there in First Sam. I mean, Second Samuel chapter five. David. I mean, King Saul has has been dead now for a while, and uh, he was the head of over Israel, and David has now become the king over Hebron for seven and a half years. It is the southern tribes in, in Israel, the northern tribes, southern tribes. Uh, Saul was ahead of the, uh, the northern. Uh, David was ahead of the southern. 
And uh, so for seven and a half years, they've been separated. They've been mad at each other. There's actually been some wars and some skirmishes going on between the two. And the northern tribes, with the absence of King Saul, uh, finally says, you know what, we, we need leadership. We need somebody to come and lead us uh, uh, to our future. And they, they swallowed their pride, and they walked down to, uh, to Hebron and said, David, uh, matter of fact, the scripture says, we are your own flesh and blood. I mean, every one of these were from uh, uh, Abraham. These are the tribes of, uh, of, of Abraham, the tribes of, of, uh, of Israel. They come down and they say, look, uh, we're your own flesh and blood. We will follow you as you are the leader of our people. Now, whenever you get unity together, and we've been talking about this off and on on Wednesday night and in here, Unity does a great deal of good. It does a great deal of good to be in unity. So the children of Israel comes down from, uh, from the north and they get uh, David, the king of Hebron, and they say, we want you to lead us and we want to be one now instead of separate. And so with that becomes some power, uh, and, 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 and David uh, uh, assembles an army, uh, and they march up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was in, in the hands of foreigners a little bit, and in rebellious people, and so they go up there with the army, and they take Jerusalem, uh, and there in Jerusalem, David finally says, this is the, uh, the centerpiece of Israel, this is the capital of Israel, Jerusalem is it. And so they take it by force and, and they make it the capital city. Whenever they were separated, he could not do that. There was many skirmishes, many uh, problems and difficulties with, with gaining unity in the, in the, in the, in the uh, nation of Israel. But now with everybody in unity, or the vast majority of them, they just march up there and they take the, uh, the city, they take the country, and now David is the king, he's the boss, and they're all following him underneath his banner there in Jerusalem. It is the power of unity allows us to be stronger than what we are separately. The power of unity also is in worship. I just read to you, this is the scripture uh, out of Psalms that, that is written about this situation and that this, this resulting of, of David coming to be king. There's power in worship, in unity. And every Sunday morning we come together uh, and we worship God and we praise God and we hear the word of God. And I want to tell you, in heaven, there's not going to be any preaching up there. We won't need it. But there will be worship from the moment you get there until eternity future, which is there's no end to. You will be a worshiper in heaven. Is that an amazing thing? And I know some people say, again, let's get past the worship. Let's move on. Let's get to the Word. I like the Word. I love the Word. But in heaven, we won't need any of the Word because it will be already committed to us. And we will be worshiping the Lord. Tribal jealousies was real. Now, if you've, if you've read these portions of Scripture separately, you don't know what, what, what's really going on behind the scene. And so it must have been a really overwhelming uh, uh, sight for David uh, and, the, and the leaders of the 12 tribes to get together uh, and to worship, uh, as I read to you in Psalms 133. Let me give you a little bit about their bitter history. Because it wasn't nice. 
If you look at the, uh, the history of, of, of Israel and, and the, even the separations, again, King David is, uh, I mean, King Saul has just died. David is ascending to the throne, and about half of Israel supported Saul. Half of Israel supported David, and there had been wars and people killed. Uh, people died over all of this kind of stuff, and so the bitter past is really, really real. And you look at this portion of Scripture uh, in, in, uh, in, second, uh, in that second passage, bitterness, mistrust, uh, competition, hurt feelings. Everybody, anybody got hurt feelings in church ever? The rest of you are really, really good. Wow. There was like 10 of us that raised our hand. Wow. Some of the tribes were larger and some were smaller. Some were in uh, urban areas and some were in rural areas. Some of the tribes were militarily dominant, while some of the other tribes uh, were eh, sort of weak and sometimes even subservient. You talk about uh, some of the areas or tribes being in cosmopolitan uh, sea uh, areas where trade routes came through. So they were, they, they were uh, uh, given information from around the world. And then there was some uh, that was in the mountainous regions of uh, Kentucky. No, I'm sorry. They're not Kentucky. They were in the mountainous regions. And so they were, uh, anybody from Kentucky? Oh, woo, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them were from the hill country uh, where they were isolated and they had, didn't have that big trade routes coming through. And it was sort of funny. Some of the uh, more sophisticated ones made fun of the other ones because they didn't speak Hebrew correctly. They had an accent. Yeah, they had an accent and they made fun of them. But one of the most frightening stories, uh, I think, in the Old Testament is because God, uh, around the throne today, is the 24 elders. Twelve of them is the disciples, apostles, and twelve of them are, are the, uh, the heads of uh, the tribes of Israel. They sit around the throne of God. And if one of the tribes had been destroyed, it would have it done damage forever. And in, in the times of Judges, uh, there was a story about the 11 tribes uh, that tried to annihilate Benjamin, the, the 12th tribe. And if that would have happened, terrible things would have happened. I would have loved to have been there and seen the, the, the head of the tribe of Benjamin standing with David and the other 11. And they're singing songs of unity. And he's going, hey, these dudes tried to kill us all. All 11 of them tried to come against us and kill us all. And it was only by the grace of God that the, the, uh, the 12th tribe, the Benjamin tribe, was not destroyed. And they said, you know, there was all kinds of hurts and pains. Again, people died and people had problems and difficulties. There was splits and there was uh, problems with trade routes and all kinds of stuff. But yet, but yet, here in this 133, you have people standing together in unity. I want to tell you that this church has had a great, great, great history, a great heritage. It has had a place where we have built and we've done and we've been through different pastors and, you know, we come and go and this and that. And, and, and sometimes it has been ugly, sometimes beautiful, 
It's been all kinds of things down through the years. And I would encourage you today that if somebody or something or some person that you would deem not worthy to stand with you in worship would walk into this place, I would tell you what Psalms 133 says, that we should stand all together as brothers and sisters in unity, worshiping God all together. This is an amazing story because of the history of Israel and the division that took place and the fighting that took place. Here, David, here Saul was after David for a long time, wanted to kill him. And, 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 and David one day caught Saul laying in a little field by, with his soldiers. And he goes down there uh, uh, to, uh, to just show Saul, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. He goes down, he cuts a little piece off of his, uh, off of his garment, runs back up. He could have killed him. And in the morning, David says, hey, Saul, look what I did. I can't. Saul goes, oh, my goodness, a dude came down here in the middle of the night, cut this piece of uh, garment off of me, and he could have killed me. And David was up there saying, look what I've done. I've spared your life. I, how do you like that? God was not impressed. God said, how dare you touch the anointed? How dare you? God, he's after my life. He's planning to kill me. And I'm your anointed to sit on, uh, on the throne. Uh, I'm King David in the future. And, and, and he's trying to kill me and thwart your, uh, your plan for my life. And all I was going to do is show him I could have killed him and I had mercy on him. How dare you touch the anointed one? I want to tell you, there's been a lot of anointed ones come and go through this place. You have an anointed one coming. Can I say that again? You have an anointed one coming. You said, but I like so-and-so, and I like so-and-so, and I prefer to have that one, and I prefer to do this, and I prefer to do that. Paul sort of dealt with that in the New Testament. He says some likes uh, Apollos, some likes uh, Peter, some likes you know, this one, some likes that one, some likes me. And it, all they were liking was the style of preaching and the, uh, the, the rambunctiousness of one or the silence of the other. And the, all, that's all they were liking one way or the other. They said, I prefer this kind of preaching to that kind of preaching. That's what Paul was talking about. I want to tell you, you've got a, a man and a woman coming that's going to be your pastor, and a new day is going to dawn. There's nothing wrong with past dawns, but a new dawn is going to come up as they come here to be your pastors. And it doesn't matter. Uh, he, he's not, our pastor, is not cutting the hem off of anybody. He's just coming here as the called of God to do the work of God in the place that God has called him to. And it is up to us to say, oh, he's, my, he's the man. He's the man. Now, I want to tell you, he, he probably can't preach anything like me, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, I'm just joking. But I want to tell you, when God speaks and God says, this is it, it is time to get behind that person. 
Here in the scriptures I read to you, David and the 12 tribes, which hated each other many times, stood and sang a, a song of worship and unity unto God. And, and these, these 12 guys around David, I'm sure they, they had their hands on their knife just in case the person beside them wanted to stab them, stab them back. And they were standing there with the example of, of everybody is of the same flesh. They came to David and said that, look, you and I, we're the same flesh. We need to have you as our leader. We, we need to uh, rejoice in you and you and us. We will follow you. When did they make that choice? Because some of those people and some of their warriors were with Saul when they were trying to track down David. They were a part of the uh, expedition. Where is King uh, uh, David? We're going to go kill him. They were some of the same people standing there that morning saying, we have a leader. David is our leader and we're going to follow him. And we're going to do what he has asked us to do. The scripture defines, or David, I should say, defines what community is. He says, how good, how pleasant is it when brothers dwell in unity? God declares that unity is good. He declares that family is good. And I have to tell you, I, you know, every one of you come from different backgrounds, different things, different places. And I realize we all have different uh, experiences in church. Uh, as I said, I've not always been the grandest of person in church. Uh, you know, uh, I, my personality has always been a little bit, you know, and God's used that a little bit as a pastor, I guess. But the fact of the matter is, God says that community and, 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 and a church atmosphere is good and pleasant. Is it really? Oh, we should make it. We should make it that way. The Scriptures know nothing. Now, let me say this again. The Scriptures know nothing about a solitary Christian. Do your scripture studies. The Bible, the things of God, knows nothing about a solitary Christian. Now, I realize if you were John and you were put on the Isle of Patmos by nothing of your choice, your solitude on the Isle of Patmos, you worship God anyway. But if you are not constrained to stay home because of illness or this or that, matter of fact, my, my, my wife and daughter, they were coming to church today. Now, if you saw me texting a little bit, I wasn't being frivolous. Um, they broke down on the side of the road, and they're trying to get back home. So anyway, and I said, don't bother me. Get back home yourself. <laughs> no, I said that after I hung up. That's <laughs> But there's no place in the Scriptures that it says that you are born again to yourself. That somehow you can go off in, into the boondocks and all somewhere else and, and you can be a Christian somewhere else and you don't need this thing called church. And see, there's a lot of people right now, and it's getting more and more and more, oh, I love God with all my heart, I serve God with all my heart, but I don't need that church. That's not true. I am very, very sorry to tell you, it's just not true. God gave the church. Oh, well, he gave the one that was found in, in Acts. He gave the church. 
And he gave to the church apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers, evangelists for the teaching and preaching, the edifying of the body of Christ so the body of Christ can do the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says. It has been given to us because we're not supposed to be lone rangers. We're really not. It is our sometimes sinful nature that allows us to want to be separate from everybody. I mean... Many times we desperately want to be a part of something. I mean, I, I, I hate to look in the, in the you know, some, a party's going on, I'm looking through the window, wanting, oh, I wish I'd get. But the deal is, we do everything we possibly can sometimes to stay out of a relationship because it's a little uncomfortable from time to time. And we come to church and we, you know, we are constantly surveilling the church. We are inspecting the church. To see if they're worthy of our attendance. They're worthy of our input. They're worthy of, the, of what we can give. And so I'm going to spend all of my life being the perpetual visitor. I'm sorry, you don't need to sit on the outskirts of a church. You need to come into the body. We are not isolated people. We need each other. Even the Godhead is triune Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are in community with one another, even they are. David talks about the experience of brothers. He talks about when you're born again, again, you're part of a family, you're part of a brotherhood. And family life, I would say, speaks to me of home, safety, security, acceptance. Is that what, you know, you may come from a home where that was not part of your upbringing. But that's what home is supposed to be. You're supposed to go home whenever you need somebody to uh, uplift you and encourage you and bless you. And that is what the church should be. It should be a place where, where we run for security, that, that we run to get help and blessings here in the church. It is not necessary to stay away and to do different things. We need each other. Living together, it says. Again, at the end of Jesus' ministry, in the upper room, Jesus is already gone. There's 120 people that finally are all together in one place. Yeehaw. And he leaves and goes back. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in verse 25 of 10 tells us that there were some people in the church that started floating away floating away from the church. You know, a little time had passed and they were floating away. And he says this, Forsake not the assemblies of yourself together as a matter of some, but so much more as you see the day approaching. Talking about the day of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. How many believes the day of the Lord is closer today than it was yesterday? Ah, so we need to get together occasionally. And on Sundays, I mean, we got rid of uh, Sunday nights, uh, and we got rid of a lot of other things, uh, and the Scripture says that we're supposed to be together to encourage one another, bless each other. But it's it's amazing thing that whenever we're together, sometimes we just bump all, all into each other. And it's not a pleasant experience sometimes. Somebody has got to say, I'm sorry. Somebody has got to say, forgive me. Somebody's got to overlook some things. Because you know what? We are not 
perfect people. Amen, Brother Gene. Amen. We are not all perfect people. We're just people. And whenever we dwell together in unity, amazing things can happen. If we're dwelling together in unity whenever our new pastors get here, it is going to be so much easier for them to take control and move on down. We, we should have a, 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 a group uh, a vision, and that's his vision. A group direction, and that's his direction. As the Lord gives to him what needs to happen. We should never be isolated, but we should dwell together in unity. Let me talk to you about the last part of, of 133. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing story. It talks about Aaron. And he's standing there. And they come with a big bowl of oil. Oil is likened unto the Holy Spirit. Oil is likened into a lot of things, even all the healing and, and unity and things. And they start pouring the oil over his head. Scripture just said it. Starts pouring the oil all over his head, and it goes down his face into his beard and stops, starts dripping on his breastplate. Uh, if you've ever get a chance to look at a picture of the high priest, Aaron, which Aaron was, and the breastplate and all he's wearing, on this breastplate was the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So as the oil is poured over his head and drips down his face onto his beard and then onto this breastplate, it is like the 12 tribes of Israel are being anointed in unity together. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. Behind him are 12 guys that sometimes would have liked to kill each other. Maybe still are. They're still fiercely independent uh, because their tribe needs what that tribe has. And that tribe has treated that tribe wrong. And so they're, they're in the back of David even as they're reading those scriptures. And the oil starts to flow. I want to tell you today, I don't want any oil over my head. That's okay. Except for the Holy Spirit, maybe. But if the Holy Spirit was being poured over my head this morning as representative, or the actual oil, it would flow down my head. It would flow down my beard, a little bit of it, and onto a breastplate. It's not there right now, but what it would have on it is every name of every person here. And it would just flow over each and every one of you. Because we are flesh and blood. We are in unity. We are part of the family of God. Seriously. Now, there's families of God all over the place in different churches. But what you don't understand is that God calls people to certain places. I mean, I understand if somebody says, oh, God's called me over here. God's called me over there. Well, praise God, if that's what God has called you to do, go do it. But if God's called you here, then the person in front of you, in back of you, beside you, is your brother and your sister. And you may not like everything they do. Let me see. Everybody's looking pretty nice at each other. That's okay. But they're your brothers and sisters. And if the oil starts flowing this morning, 
if the anointing is on this building, it doesn't flow just, just to a few select people. It flows to the body of Christ to unite us. And as I said, when you, the, uh, the anointing take, took place, David was actually able to go and capture Jerusalem. He was actually able to get a bunch of guys together that hated each other and sing a song of unity. He was able to govern those 12 rebellious tribes with God's help and leadership. You have right in front of you in the next few weeks a man and woman of God. And, and let, me, let me say something. Uh, I want the board just to stand where you're at. If you're on the board, just stand right where you're at. Okay. Got a few, there we go. Might missing a couple if they're here or there. Yeah, one's up there. Let me tell you what. These guys and gals, we have a gal on our board, they're not anointed because they themselves are some wonderful people. They're wonderful people. But that's not why... They're just wonderful, great people. It's also because God has chosen, by election, them to serve in this capacity. Thank you, guys. That is why. And so uh, whenever uh, Pastor Chris and Amy walk on this stage for the first time on, on Easter, I believe they're going to be here, and he stands up here to preach the Word of God, you can say, well, he's not, I, don't, I like someone else better, or I like this, well, you know, he's not that great a preacher, well, this and this and Amy that and all that kind of, or you can say there is the man and woman of God that's been called of God to be here and to do what they're supposed to do. Give the land a hand. And I'm going to tell Pastor Chris to get you all up here and, and just go around and start pouring oil all on you. <laughs> Everybody will run for cover. No, please, no. It's important that we look at our future and say God has got a plan. I have never been anywhere in ministry that God has not ordained for me to be. Never. And some people say, well, you know what? Uh, this circumstance changed that. Nope. Nope. God is not changed. God's not bullied by circumstance. God is not bullied or pushed because of this or that. He very rigorously commands the world as he commands it. And as I, as I preached before when we was even at the building, there was somebody standing off in the sidelines whenever Pastor Bill was resigning that said, there's a stirring in my heart, and I, I think I need to answer this stirring. don't know where it's at. What? Chris and Amy felt that stirring. And now they have said, yes, well, it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Yes, it is. And until something until he would leave, I would hope and I would pray that you would gather behind him and around him and her as they did. You say, well, so-and-so is this and that. Well, no, good grief. These guys behind David and, and talking about uh, uh, the high priest, they wanted to kill each other. And they put it aside and they said, there's our leader. There's the man that's going to lead us in David and we're going to worship God together. What a, what a thing we can do 
What a blessed place we can be in whenever they walk on this stage in a few weeks from now. And we say, you, you're our leader. People in the office, he'll do it differently than anybody else. Every church I've taken over, I've done it differently than the past pastor. Mine was always better than theirs, but that's okay. That was neither here nor there. Shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> Every pastor does it differently. The flavor will be different. The revival you think is going to happen will look different than the, than, than the revival you think you're thinking about right now. He will lead in different directions and guidance. But I want to tell you today what I want to see happen as I step off to the side in a few weeks and watch what takes place. I want to see the oil flow. And I want to see there to be unity in the body of Christ. doesn't matter what anybody's done to you, for you, against you, anything. There will be unity in the body of Christ for God's kingdom's sake. Amen. Bow our heads. Father, we love you. You are an incredible, incredible God. And Lord God, it is you that makes, Lord God, changes take place. It is you that calls. Matter of fact, Lord, you say you set up kingdoms and you take down kingdoms. And if you do that, then you can set aside a pastor and bring a pastor. And Lord God, as these things happen and take place, Father, we just love you, and we're expecting great and marvelous and wonderful things to take place. Lord God, do a marvelous work in this place that will amaze us all. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Heads bowed just for a few moments. You say, I, I, I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. By an upraised hand, you say, I need Jesus today. I've never asked for him to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin, and I want to this morning. A raised hand just anywhere here in this place. I need Jesus for the first time. Or maybe a rededication of my heart to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you would, just look up this way just for a moment. We talked about unity. We talked about togetherness. What I would really love to do is to end this service with unity. And what I'd really like to invite, and if you can't, that's fine. If you have to leave, that's fine. But I would love to invite as many people as possible just to come down here. We have a huge area down here to stand together. And, and I would love for us just to pray. As, as the uh, 12 tribes of Israel did, stand behind David. Just, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We want unity. Whatever that crazy pastor said that morning, that's what I want to happen. I want you to come if that's you. I just want you to come. Let's just worship together, praise together, pray together just for a few moments. And then we'll be free to go do whatever you need to do for the rest of the day. If somebody needs to come down and sit on the front row, there's places to sit if you can't stand. This is a beautiful look. This is a beautiful look. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you do something very, very bold? Oh, it's so scary. Why don't you reach out and grab somebody's hand beside you and let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord God, as the oil was poured over Aaron's head, and Lord God, as it runs down into his beard, and then it drips over his breastplate that has the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Father, allow your Holy Spirit 
to flow over this congregation. Lord God, to bless this people, Lord God, like never before. Father, allow even Chris and Amy right now to feel that anointing rushing over them. Lord God, that it won't stay just with them. It'll be passed on to people, Lord God, that are here with them. Lord God, this church, as they come to start their ministry here, will not be separated here and there, will not be following different people. But Lord God, we'll see Chris and Amy as the called ones of God. And Lord God, they're going to follow them as you lead them. Lord God, bless this people. Lord God, if there's hurts or pains uh, that is here in this uh, uh, altar area from past church uh, events or uh, uh, attitudes or situations, Lord God, heal it right now. Heal it right now in the name of Jesus. We love you and we thank you and we praise you and we glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the name of the Lord. If anybody needs special prayer, you can just slip your hand up. Somebody will pray for you. But I think before you head back to your seats and out the door, you need to tell somebody you love them. Give somebody a handshake, a hug around the neck. God bless you this morning. If you need prayer, let somebody know. If not, you're free to go. God bless you.